That's great. Wow. That's an amazing story. I kind of have an opposite experience. Um, apparently, everybody else thought I was lost, but I knew exactly where I was. Um, we were at, uh, up, so I'm from Buffalo, New York. It's right off the border of Lake Erie and Lake Ontario. My grandma, uh, grandmother has a cottage right up on uh, Lake Ontario. And uh, so the whole family, I mean, they have uh, other residences right in the area. It's, I mean, it's all walking distance. And so I was maybe six or seven years old, had my grandmother's dog. The dog just kind of roamed all over the complex by itself. I mean, it was, this is back in the day where you didn't have like the dog leash rules or all that stuff. So, so I just was walking around with the dog and apparently I didn't tell anyone that I was doing this. Uh, and so I went to my, my aunt's house and my aunt, uh, she's like, oh, come on in. I made some cookies. It's like, what six-year-old is going to turn cookies down? Really? Like, so I'm like, oh, of course. And so I just let the dog go. And it's like, okay, she'll find her way back. It's, she roams this place. So I go in. I'm in there. I don't know how long I'm in there. But uh, I apparently, like, kids are running around, like, looking for this lost child. Like, they're knocking on the door. Is there a kid in here? Like, he's lost and we need, we need to find him. His mom is really worried. So I was like, is that me? Like, <laughs> am I that child? Uh, so I, I left and went, um, and found my mom. And apparently there was this whole story that unfolded where they didn't know where I was. She asked somebody and somebody was like, I thought I saw that kid walking through the park with some random guy. And then like, and then, and then another person was like, yeah, he was down by the piers. I saw a kid go over the pier. And so my mom was just like, ah, like just losing, losing her mind. And so, yeah, when I showed up, I'm clueless, like, uh, what's up? You know, <laughs> like, how you doing? Yeah, don't do that to your moms if uh, ever. But yeah, does anybody else have a quick story? Anyone else? Okay, so if you haven't uh, figured this out by now, today is actually going to be pr rather informal. Um, I have my coffee, and uh, we hopefully can have a little bit of a conversation here. So uh, if during this message at any point uh, you guys have questions or want to, you know, just kind of point something out, feel free, just shoot your hand up, I'll get to you. Uh, I'd like to just have a little bit of a conversation going here too. So, uh, but before we do that, let's go ahead and just pray together. Uh, we really need God to speak to us today. Uh, it's not in my ability. Uh, it's not in anyone's ability in here to communicate truth to us. It's ultimately God who can do that. So we need him to speak to us this morning. So God, we come to you this morning. God, we say thank you for who you are, your faithfulness towards us. God, we pray right now this morning that you would just open up your word to our hearts. God, you'd illuminate our minds to receive what you have for us. And God, we pray that as we leave this place later on this morning, uh, God, you do something impactful in our hearts that um, it wouldn't just be information that we're receiving, God, but it would be something so much greater than that, uh, that it would change the very course of our lives. God, we say thank you. We love you in your name. Amen. All right. So uh, if you uh, have not been coming the last two weeks, we've been in a series. It's called uh, Can I Hear God? Uh, and we're really talking through some of the, the main features of what God's voice sounds like. And ultimately, yes, the answer to that is, yes, you can hear God. Um, so there's a, a little bit of a spoiler for you uh, for today. But uh, really, the thing that we're going to be talking about this morning is some of the difficulties or hurdles in hearing God's voice. Some of the things that are challenging that oftentimes come in the way of us 
hearing God clearly. And so uh, as a quick recap of last week, let's just look at some of the ways in which we hear God. Uh, we hear God through the Bible. So as we get into his word, his word opens up off the page. Sometimes as you read, something will stick out to you and you'll be like, hmm, that's interesting. And God actually communicates and speaks to us through his word, uh, his living word. Uh, there's inner impressions, sometimes gut feelings that you get about stuff. So uh, as you go about your day, it's like that gut feeling definitely would not come from myself. That is oftentimes how God communicates to us. Dreams and visions. I know of a lot of people here in this room who've, who've had experiences with this, myself included. Uh, well, you'll just have a long vision where God is essentially painting a picture almost right in front of your, your mind. Um, there's, yeah, that's my baby. Uh, there's prophecy, so words of knowledge and words of wisdom. Uh, that's communicating truth that's from God for other people. Uh, other people, of course, have the ability to do this as well, so communicating God's truth through other people. Uh, kind of an inner sense of peace. And then lastly, circumstantial evidence. So something that maybe happens throughout the day two or three times, and you're like, that would never happen anywhere. But... Uh, oftentimes, these are different ways in which God communicates to us. And so, uh, as we dig in this morning, let's just uh, remember these things, because uh, we're going to talk about some of the hurdles. So let's just jump right into it. The very first hurdle that we oftentimes face in hearing God's voice is the hurdle of doubt or unbelief. It's the hurdle of doubt or unbelief. Uh, Mark 20, uh, 9, 23 through 24 says this, Jesus said to him, if you can, all things are possible for one who believes. Uh, this backstory behind this, Jesus uh, is communicating with a man here who uh, brought his son to him and asking for healing for his son. And so this man comes and says this, like, I don't know, like, do you believe I can, I can heal him? And the man says, well, if you can heal him. And Jesus is like, if I can like, all things are possible for one who believes. Immediately, the father of the child cried out and said, I believe, help my unbelief. And that word is so powerful right there because what that guy was doing was he recognized his doubt, his unbelief, and he said, you're absolutely right. Like, you called me out on it. You're absolutely right, but just help me. Help me with that. Like, show me something that will help me believe. And Jesus looks at him and says, okay, like as a result, his son gets healed. And um, it's pretty amazing when you, when you see that. But uh, one of the things that, that I find interesting is uh, I have an opportunity just to be around people who experience physical healing in their bodies. And, um, and that can come in the form of just, you know, maybe God's calling me to lay hands on somebody and just pray for them, um, just to uh, just believe ultimately for them. And I'll tell you this, Every single time I've prayed for somebody with just, without a shadow of a doubt that God is going to heal them, they get healed. Every single time. Like, there's no doubt or unbelief that crosses through my mind when that person gets healed. The funny thing is, the times when those people don't get healed are the times when I'm wrestling, like, God, all right, I know I'm supposed to do this religious thing and pray for this person, but I don't know if you necessarily are going to come through in this instance, you know? Sometimes we do that, like we, our mind fools ourselves. And, and ultimately, anytime I pray without walking into it with a degree of faith, believing for that person, almost always they never get healed. It's kind of funny what, what happens. Like our faith has an impact on other people. 
right? Um, there's a story in the New Testament where this man who's uh, essentially paralyzed, uh, he, he can't get to Jesus. Then people know, his friends hear, okay, Jesus can heal uh, my, our friends. So what they do is they essentially cut a hole in the roof and then lay, uh, just lower him down into the room where Jesus is at because the crowds were so huge they couldn't get through it. And so the interesting thing is in that story, what you see is Jesus points to his friends and he says, hey, because of their faith, I'll heal you. Like, he's, he's not saying, like, because of your faith. He's saying, no, because of your friend's faith, because of their faith, I'll heal you. And that's amazing, honestly, when you think about it, that our faith, our, our doubt and unbelief has an impact on other people. It, we ultimately are to be ambassadors and communicators of the gospel, and really that's, that's the call for us as followers of Christ. Uh, if, you, if you say, I am a follower of Christ, that's, that's our duty. But sometimes our own minds, our doubt and unbelief can get in the way of other people receiving what God has for them. And it's, that's a real hurdle that a lot of people, I think, deal with. All right, so hurdle number two. Hurdle number two is the hurdle of sin consciousness. What does that mean? That's a great question. Uh, Romans 8, 1 through 2 explains it like this. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. So uh, just to set the record straight, sin is not the issue. If you would say, hey, um, I'm a follower of Christ. I'm daily pressing into him. Uh, I'm passionately pursuing him. Your sin, all of it was finished at the cross. None of it carries forward. Your sin was finished at the cross uh, when you chose to repent. The crazy thing is, the enemy is not stupid. A lot of times we think, oh, like, you know, sin, sin, enemy, the, Satan's defeated. We're great. Like, the truth is, we still are living in a battle. Like, he comes in and just wrecks us oftentimes with stuff in our mind that is really deceptive. Um, in fact, uh, Satan is known as the father of lies. All he speaks is lies to his uh, people. So, uh, really, like, if you uh, hear, like, man, you're not worthy. How could you ever measure up? Nobody loves you. You're not good enough. All of that stuff, that is nothing but just garbage and lies. It's not true. It's not the reality of it. And so with the sin still present in the world, the enemy still hits us. So when we do screw up, when we do sin, it's like, man, like I'm wrestling with it. In fact, uh, there's a verse. I don't have it here on the screen, but it's in Isaiah 43. Uh, it said, it basically says Jesus, uh, it's referring to Jesus, it's I am he who no longer remembers your sins. It's like Jesus is saying, God is saying, I'm the one who forgets your sins. Like I no longer remember them. Now you think about how crazy that is. You think God is like omniscient, he knows all things, but of an act of his will, he's choosing to forget every single one of your sins when you come to Christ. Think about that. That is insane when you think about how crazy that is. Because for many of us, we wrestle with it, right? The sin, sin is really, it's, it's in the world, it's real, we still face it. And a lot of times, the issue is that we ultimately get down on ourselves. We feel guilt, shame, condemnation, all of these things, and that is garbage. It's lies. It's not true. It's, it's, it's completely false. God has completely set us free from the power of sin over our lives, 
So uh, this is one of those things that, that really, like, you go back in, in your life, you can think about so many times when it's like, man, I screwed up here, and now this has an impact over my life. I mean, I can think of so many people uh, who something happened 20, 30, 40 years ago, and it still has an impact on their lives to this very day. And that's because of that sin consciousness that we each have. All of us have it. Does that make sense? Does anyone have any questions on that? All right. Um, I really like what Elaine said last week. If you haven't had a chance to listen to it, we had a panel last week. Um, it's all online. You can go ahead and listen to everybody's responses just from the different ways that God communicates to them. But I thought what Elaine said was really good. She said this, uh, like, if you hear encouragement and feel a sense of joy, you know it's from God. But if what you're healing, uh, hearing is condemnation, guilt, shame, you'll never measure up, those kinds of things, negative things, that's completely from the enemy. So being able to distinguish what's coming from who is really important, especially in this case. Uh, take a look at uh, Hebrews 10, 19 through 22. It says this, And so, dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place. Boldly is really, I I like this word a lot because uh, the previous series that we talked about, we talked about courage to do it afraid. Like courage is acting in the face of fear. Courage is doing something in in the face of fear. Like no matter what, you're still going to do it. Really, that's what the word boldness is. It's having the courage to step out and to do it afraid. We can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. By his death, Jesus opened new life and life-giving way through the curtain into the most holy place. So really what this is saying is that we have access to God. That through Jesus, we have direct access to God. And since we have a great high priest who rules over God's house, let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting him. For our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean, and our bodies have been washed with pure water. Uh, what's amazing about this, I underline that uh, section right there, sincere hearts, fully trusting him. I think what happens is a, a, a tendency of ours is to, I think I mentioned earlier, like we feel a lot of shame and guilt in, uh, when we sin. And a lot of times we'll bury that deep within ourselves. We won't bring it out into the light. And really what this verse is saying is like, hey, come as you are. Like, bring all that you have to the forefront. Like, bring it into the light. Like, you can come as you are to me. There's no crazy restrictions that you have to go through this process or anything like that. Just come. Come to me. Um, Come with sincere hearts, fully trusting him. God wants us to fully trust in who he is, all that he has for us. Uh, There was a quote I thought that was really powerful. It's by Charles L. Allen as a Methodist minister. He said this, Study the lives of those we call saints, those who have attained unusual spiritual power, and you'll find the secret right at that, this point. They sinned, but they never surrendered to sin. They never accepted failure as final. They never ceased to look forward with confidence. They kept saying, I can in him, and to the utmost their power was added to his power. They never surrendered to it. So yeah, like it's a guaranteed fact. Every single one of us, even if, you know, if you're say, hey, I haven't crossed that line, I haven't trusted Jesus with my life, okay. If you have, you still will sin. That's a fact. But ultimately what this is referring to is how you respond to it. How do you respond to it? And oftentimes, 
getting down on ourselves and having that self-consciousness of sin built into us is the very thing that prevents us from ultimately hearing God because we're focused so much on the problem instead of on him. Does that make sense? All right. Let's jump into uh, hurdle number three. The third hurdle is the hurdle of worry. The hurdle of worry. Uh, I remember hearing a quote about worrying, and so I looked it up on Google and uh, couldn't find the author of it, so I just quoted it as inspirational quote. It's true, uh, but you know, let's, we'll, we'll work through it. promise. I'm not going to leave it just at this. Worry is worshiping the problem. Worry is worshiping the problem. Um, let me explain why this is. Worry, both worry and worship, they both ultimately begin in the heart. Right? Let's see what uh, Jesus had to say in Matthew 6, 21. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. Right? So when you... Kind of like what I was saying just a few minutes ago regarding sin consciousness. When you say, this is a problem I'm facing, I'm going to worry about it. What you're doing is you're diverting your worship away from God to that problem. And so when we divert our attention away from where it's supposed to be, right? If our goal, if our, if our identity is like, hey, we want to hear what God has to say to us. If I'm not dialed in. If I'm not, like, attuning my frequency to hear what God has, I'm turning it to this problem in front of me is so big I can't face it. Ultimately, what God is doing is saying, hey, like, I'm trying to speak to you, but you're just not tuning into what I'm saying. Does that make sense? So the issue here is really just a, a diverted gaze. We take our attention away from the very one we're trying to hear. Hurdle number four. And this is the last one. This one might be, um, I don't want to say controversial. It's probably something that maybe we've all faced in this place. Uh, it's the hurdle of hiddenness. The hurdle of hiddenness. Uh, God hiding himself. And the reason why this happens is because God is ultimately, it may be because you haven't done anything wrong. It might not be any of the three reasons that I mentioned above. It's not because of unbelief or doubt. It's not because of sin consciousness. It's not because of worry or diverting your gaze or any of those things. Ultimately, this is about God saying, hey, I want to see what's there. I want to see where your faith is at. Like, do you have the genuine faith to just step, step it up and take it to another level? Um, take a look at Romans 12.3. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with th sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. Uh, this verse is interesting because here you see Paul is talking and saying that there's a measure of faith that God imparts or gives to every single person. There's a the specific measure of faith. So when God hides himself or removes himself, and maybe you're like, man, I'm not like, I'm not hearing from God. I haven't heard from him in a long time. It's probably because he's increasing the measure of your faith and you're just trying to attune the way that you, you hear him. Does that make sense? It's like a, a growth of your measure of faith. He's just trying to, um, to increase your faith and dependence on him. 
And I remember um, this last year, so my wife and I, we got uh, married in April, uh, coming up on one year here in about two and a half weeks, which is crazy. I can't believe it's gone so fast. Um, we have a beautiful little daughter, of course. And uh, this summer, so all of the staff here that uh, works with either Call to Greatness or Campus Ministry or uh, Bluemont, we raise our financial support no, is basically to, to live, all of the, uh, the needs that we, we need. And so uh, this summer, with all of these things and situations kind of at the forefront, you know, being married, having new responsibilities not only as a husband, but then also knowing what my responsibilities will be as a father, it's like, wow, this is stressful. Like <laughs> having to raise the finances to be able to support the entire family is it's that's a very large task ahead of me and it's challenging and the funny thing is i've done it before i've you know raised support for myself personally um there's been seasons of essentially this measure of faith being essentially increased and i've had to step into some stuff where like i didn't know if i could do it um and so I remember there was a point, uh, it was probably back in October, where I just was almost at my wit's end. You know how sometimes, just being personal here, you know sometimes how the harder you work, sometimes the worse it gets? You know, <laughs> it's kind of like inverse correlation or something. Like, I'm going to work really hard, but then ultimately, like, the return that you get from it is just, like, where, why is this not happening? And you think like, you know, there's a stupid cliche thing out there that's, that's like, you know, God helps those who help themselves. That's total garbage. Like, that's not true at all. You know, I think that like, you know, oftentimes people say that just to like feel good or whatever, but ultimately it's like Jonathan mentioned it this morning. We have a, a small time of prayer in the morning before we, we jump in together here. Uh, but there's a verse in John six where it's like, you know, the work of God is this, believe in the one in whom he sent. Like, the work of God is just to trust Jesus. It's that simple. So, so simple, right? It's not that difficult. It's not hard. It is difficult. I shouldn't say that. It's very simple, but it doesn't mean it's, it's not hard. And so, uh, you know, really, like, this was kind of that process of, okay, like, I need to just work in a place of rest. Does that make sense? Where it's like, if I'm not in a place of rest, if I'm not saying to God, okay, like, God, I'm going to fully trust you to be the one who ultimately provides. It's not in my own ability or power. Um, yeah, like, God will come through in incredible ways. Um, and even myself personally, like, I, I grew up in a family where my father's a very successful entrepreneur, business owner. He works 80 hours, 90 hours a week. And so, like, hard work was, like, a thing that I just grew up with my entire life. And so this season was, like, completely shattering, like, all of the expectations of what I thought was going to happen. And ultimately, I think really what, uh, what God was communicating to me was just, like, hey, you, do you really trust me? Like, do you really want to have a measure of faith and believe that I'm going to ultimately do this for you? And so... I just got to a point where it's like, you know, our daughter was on the way. She wasn't here yet. And I said, all right, like, you know our needs, God. Like, you've provided in the past. I'm just going to trust. And 
lay back and you know there's there's certain things that I did of course like you know I met with people still and I wasn't just gonna sit in my room alone and not do anything like that would be that that's not right but um, I was still working but I think I had a completely different mentality towards it and so the amazing thing is that two weeks after I changed my mindset like the floodgates just completely opened like I, I can't even explain how amazing um, like the provision of God was in that moment. Um, we raised like 20% of what we needed in two weeks, which is insane. Um, but God is, I think what he does is he hides himself from us in a lot of ways just to test what's there, to grow our faith, to see, hey, like I want to take you to places you've never been. And to do that, it's going to require difficult change and growth. And growth isn't pleasant. I don't know about you guys, but when people, you know, say, like, yeah, I'm just really growing, like, oh, how's it been? Oh, it's been great. I'm like, really? Like, I don't know about you, but, like, when I am going through a period of growth, it's the worst. Like, it feels inside, like, man, I have to come to the end of myself. <laughs> like, I can't do this in my own ability. And so oftentimes, I think what God wants us to do is to step out and to, to have a faith where it's like, man, you just have to trust me. Like, you, are you going to trust yourself or are you going to trust me? Um, Steve Backland, he's a guy from Bethel Church. He gave a, uh, a message in Lawrence back in December, and he said one thing that really stood out to me. It was so powerful, and uh, especially, like, right after, I literally had finished raising my support the day before he came and spoke, and he said, really, the question you have to ask yourself, and then he, like, looked right at me, and he was like, do you want to be a man of faith or a man of fact? I'm like, oh, my gosh, like... <laughs> Are you kidding me? That's like an arrow piercing my heart. Like, it's so true. You know, that that just completely nailed me. And I think that's true of many of us. Like, do you want to be a man or a woman of faith or a man or woman of, of fact? I I tend to lean toward the faith part. All right. So, so those are the four hurdles we have. Uh, the hurdle of doubt and unbelief, sin consciousness, worry, and hiddenness. So we're going to go back to some roundtable conversation here. Um, of the four hurdles listed, and they're all up there just so you have a reference, which would you say is the most challenging for you and why? It's time to be a little vulnerable. It's okay. And then the second question is, think of one practical way you will overcome this hurdle. So normally if, yeah, again, like I said, this is going to be a little bit of a different week. Um, a lot of times when you come in, you might hear a message with some practical next steps. Today, the practical next steps are for you to figure it out at your table. So I'm going to leave it to you guys. You know, ultimately, you guys are the ones to, you know, self-discovery, they say, is one of the most powerful things. So discover what it is that you can do to overcome these hurdles to hearing God's voice. Because he does want to speak to us. Um, so we'll go ahead and take about uh, five to ten minutes here.